How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here for The Scale Up Show. I'm going to have Jordi Torres on today. Really interesting perspective. They're, they're approaching close to 18, 19 million ARR this year. Really cool thing about them is they started off in professional services for five years before making the jump to SaaS, but they've doubled in growth every single year, doubled in size, I should say. And the really cool thing is they're using AI and natural NLP, I should say, natural language processing and they have some of the biggest companies in the world as customers. So you're not going to want to miss this really cool, different perspective on product market fit as well. It's a great episode. Check it out. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Jordi Torres. Jordi is the CEO and founder of Inventa that helps clients improve online relationships with their customers during revolutionary technologies like AI and natural learning processing. They're a multi-award winning firm that has doubled in size year over year since 2005. That's absolutely amazing. And they have big clients such as Burger King, Citibank, and Ingersoll. Jordy, happy to have you on the show, man. Welcome. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Ryan. That's, uh, this, I, I love your show. Oh, thanks, man. It's it's been a lot of fun getting to know you, and uh, even though I haven't interviewed you yet formally, right? But it's been awesome, and so I'm really looking forward to this. So, can we give everyone a quick background in terms of where you're at in the revenue journey? And can you give us like kind of an AR revenue range of where you're at? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so this year is 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 kind of uh, doing pretty well, at least the way we started, right? We're putting at around $18 million by the end of this year. Uh, this is where our target is. Um, and, um, you know, across multiple um, markets, um, we, you know, half of it is still Europe. And then we have uh, the U.S., of course, and, and uh, uh, business in, in, in Brazil awesome. as well. Well, that's a big threshold. Not very many. Only 1% get over $10 million, So you're right on your way to, to do the high <laughs> high. Uh, um, you know, eight figures, eight figure. No, the high eight figures is, is close to nine, but you know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? Yes. Like, let's go your, for the next figure. The next, the next jump. Right. So what's exactly. your primary go to market strategy? Well, we are essentially uh, B2B, right? Of course. So what we uh, go is after accounts that our I- ideal customer in the sense that, you know, they, they have, um, they are B2C. They sell or produce digital products, and um, almost as a, as a consequence of that, they have big call centers, right? So this is the, the, the ideal customer. So so um, telecommunications, uh, airlines, uh, financial institutions, uh, even software companies are our 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 product. And when I say that digital, right? It's like, well, wait a minute, an, an airline is anything but digital you have to physically bring somebody from one point to another and it is true but today's the experience of airline is very much digital you buy you check in there's a lot of digital process on that so so we have uh, some some customers in this area as well 
Yeah, well, yeah, everything's digital now, so I, I could I could see where where that would be an easy fit. So, could you walk us through your solution just a little bit deeper in terms of helping people understand more about it? Yeah. So there are a lot of companies that uh, offer support online, right? And the way to do it is uh, essentially letting customers to ask questions when they have one, trying to answer that question uh, right away without intervention of a human call center. And um, if you are able to pull that off, uh, great. You basically have a, um, a happier customer and uh, a faster resolution rate. The problem is very often um, customers cannot find this, this, these answers. So we, we help on that. We have this uh, AI and uh, we call natural language processing capabilities that says, hey, we, we understand your question. And among the hundreds, sometimes thousands of potential answers, that's the answer that basically fits your, your case. And that, that's what we do. So companies like Groupon, uh, DocuSign, Pinterest using in the US use this technology to uh, power their help centers and therefore um, letting their users to find um, answers to, to questions uh, quickly and effectively. Excellent. Yeah, I can see there being a big need for that. What's your primary go-to-market strategy? Well, we are basically direct at this at this point. So um, we have several channels. Uh, you can think the the usual suspects, right? Making sure we create content. We are present online. We have our our um, you know uh, now that the pandemic is let's call it over, right? So there's a lot of uh, uh, physical uh, events and trade shows are still still happening. But basically, um, yeah, it's basically direct with uh, with an SDR team. And account executives, and uh, we they enter into into kind of saying, okay, what is the ideal persona, and going after after potential opportunities. Okay, so it sounds like a like a sales go to market motion, predominantly right, leveraging yeah, yeah. other traffic. I would call it a classic B two B sales process. Okay, awesome. That's my jam, man. I'm familiar with that. So, and then are you bootstrapped or are you backed? Uh, we raised a couple of uh, runs, um, Series A and what we call Series B. So we have uh, um, some amazing investors, uh, private equity, uh, venture capital, uh, some corporate um, investors. Um, if you go to Inventa, we have a, a, part, uh, um, um, a board section, so you will see our, our investors there. So they're <laughs> just in the board. Totally yeah. makes sense. So. So walk us through. So, I mean, I love the fact that you doubled in size year over year since 2005. I think that's absolutely amazing. How did you do that? Like, what, before we get into how you did it, what was the journey, right? And, and it was 2005 the year you started, correct? Yeah, let me tell you the, the, the story, right? Because it's, uh, it's been a long time, right? 2005. Um, <laughs> the, that's the creation of the company Inventa. Uh, was in Barcelona, and this is where I, I, I am from. And I can tell you what uh, we did back then was uh, what I did was starting a consulting firm. That's how I started, right? So Inventa was a consulting firm helping um, our customers with implementation of search technologies. We got specialized into that. 
So it wasn't until five years after after working with an amazing team of uh, computational linguists and uh, and like specialists in, in search engines that would say, hey, I think that we have now the possibility to create a new technology, essentially a, um, um, an AI that instead of using keywords for searching, we use meaning, right? So so we have this layered approach where we um, we understand the language, we create a symbolic reference of, of that language uh, in order to have to find answers that basically mean or have a similar a similar meaning to what uh, what you are asking and that's and that's why we want to to offer our customers a technology that doesn't require training right so AI you know in machine learning there's a lot of, of that it's all about training 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 um, training that our customers uh, sometimes or very often don't have so that's how we, uh, by basically in 2011, we pivoted right from from being consulting into being a SaaS a SaaS business. Also, we started deploying um, internationally. So that's how our our growth, right? It's been it's been we're starting as services. We pivoted basically um, in 2011, and then we started our our international journey. And that's that's how we we uh we were able to 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 go there to the go to market and get into new 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 markets okay so that's interesting and, and the more founders i talk to the to about this there's a lot that have this path where they start off in the services market and then then they pivot to SaaS, right so is that like is that the way you drew it up from the beginning like you're just like hey i'm gonna take this approach i'm gonna learn the market i'm gonna help people and then put that into SaaS solution or how, what was that journey like? Good question. Um, when I started the company, I my focus was on professional services, and I wanted to be successful there. Um, but uh, because prior to that, uh, together with my brother, we uh, had another uh, company, so we started another a company that we sold in two thousand four. So the the year the year prior. So we we knew the business of building a consultant business and then and then selling it, right? But um, I always had this uh, this dream of building a technology company. So it's um, and particularly and now I'm here in the Bay Area, right? so in Silicon Valley, there's a machinery to build that. But uh, <laughs> in Spain, especially back then, um, that didn't exist. Uh, usually, uh, um, technology companies. Uh, come from other, all, always from other countries, never, never there. So that that pivot was the realization that uh, you know when we were doing kind of a, the same kind of work over and over again, and you start learning what works and what doesn't work, you start building tools to to make your work more efficient and and faster, and then you realize, wait a minute, that can be a product, right? What if we, what if we uh, have all these tools packaged, all these tools kind of under uh, same uh, a software package. And then when we uh, go to sell our technology, instead of saying, hey, we can fix your problem uh, for you, we say we have a solution that solves that problem. That's, mm-hmm. that's essentially then you do this uh, mental switch. And then instead of charging for the work, you charge uh, a subscription for uh, uh, using the technology, that's kind of the mental click that uh, that uh, allows uh, um, um, you know, I guess, an entrepreneur to move from professional services to, to SaaS is 
But I guess at first you have to understand very well the problem. So you have to solve it manually several times over <laughs> until you get it. It's like, oh, I see how that, well, I see what the problem is. I see how, how the kind of things I will have to repeat over and over again. So then you build uh, a software. Um, I guess, uh, Ryan, that there are smart uh, entrepreneurs over there that have this brilliant idea and then create something out of the blue without uh, uh, talking to anybody. But it's certainly not not my case. My case is about building a software after being measuring and working very hard to solve the same problem manually over and over again. So yeah, yeah. That, well, <clears throat> I, yeah. You, you, I think you crushed it on that one because, like, sometimes there's and it's really interesting because a lot of people say this is what AI is doing, right? It's it's going through massive test cycles to see what works and what doesn't. At least more on the gaming side and other areas to kind of identify how to solve a problem. But when you're talking about a really complex problem, there's so many variables, you can't just throw it into a simulator and have it learn on its own, right? So that's right, that's right. And the enterprise is a complicated, it's a complicated organism, right? So it has a lot of, a lot of complications, uh, history, legacy systems, all built over and over and another. So you have to understand the, the, the circumstances sometimes uh, for big companies, even if they would be using some new technology, some, some, sometimes for them it's hard because uh, deploying that technology on top of what they already have is, is complicated. Right? Oh, so, yeah. so, so that's part of the, of, the, of the SaaS building is how can we build a blog that is, um, that is easy to sell, but especially easy to buy because... That's what the companies want. It's like, okay, what, what can I have? I have something that, that uh, I can deploy uh, now. That's, that's, um, that's, I believe, one of the secrets on the, on the success on, on uh, implementing SaaS is uh, making sure that what you have is not only the best according to some metric, it's also easy for customers to deploy, to, to run, and to, and to, um, to buy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. And like I've even built it was so funny because we were in a mature market in a prior life. And, you know, we the interesting thing is we started to attack the enterprise space and some of the the key components were like we, we didn't hit on the messaging initially. But what I found is that like the messaging that like broke through all the noise and it wasn't like sexy or innovative. It was that, right? There's the big promise and then the certainty of the outcome, right? So it's like, what's the certainty of the outcome? So that's on the top. And then if you look at the bottom of the messaging kind of formula, it was basically how fast am I gonna get a return? Like basically how fast is it gonna take effect and you're gonna see results? And the other is how little hassle is it to me, <laughs> right? And how little that's hassle is it to our company to implement, right? You, you nailed it, you nailed it. And, uh, and I've seen tools out there, right? And uh, talking to customers and they say, hey man, I already have a job. You don't, don't come here and give me work. Many, many uh, professionals working in companies like, hey, give me something that is easy to, to, uh, to, to set up because we all have a lot of work here already to do, right? So if you come here to give me work, that's not gonna fly. Oh yeah, well, and then on top of it too, there's the risk aversion, because if, if they make the wrong decision on a large deal, 
the results are they get fired potentially, right? <laughs> so that's right. Like their their life is is complicated, and of course, all the vendors come there, including us, uh, I guess. Uh, promising, we are the best. We are everything's going to be all right. So uh, <laughs> deciding that uh, it's, it's it's complicated from their side. Um, it's it's uh, you know the, the corporate buyer is is not an easy uh, job, and I, I admire them for their courage when they go oh, yeah. for for companies. They take decisions and they they have to make their their projects work. Yeah. I agree. So, okay. So, so that's, how did you make that? Okay. So you, it's obviously you saw a pattern recognition and repeatability of consistent problems that were solvable, right? So that, that laid the foundation. How did you make the jump to creating it into a technical solution into a SaaS product in 2011? Then did, did you, are you technical? Is your background are you, are you technical? My background? background is technical. Yes, okay. I uh, I uh, studied uh, computer science in college. I'm technical, and sometimes I have folks who say that I am too technical. So, uh, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> so, did you just jump right in then yourself, since you have that technical background, or did you align with someone who was more in a sales marketing? Product. No, I started. I'm talking about a long time ago, right? When I started the, the my entrepreneur careers, like okay, I'm technical. Um, by then, I had experience as a as a as a consultant, right? So you know, talking to customers and understanding their problems. That was uh, that was something that I was uh, well trained at. But sales was not my thing. But I, 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 I read this book. It's a book called um, The Accidental Salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was an interesting book. It's, it's, and I recommend to everybody in, in, in the space because basically says, hey, if you go to uh, now to uh, a middle school and you ask, hey, guys, who among you wants to be a salesman? So you will find who wants to be astronaut and singer and rock star and whatnot. But nobody wants to be a salesman, right? Um, so that means that um, all the sales are accidental. Right? <laughs> so the book says, well, and probably that's you too, right? So if you are here uh, and uh, you got into into have to be uh, good in sales, yeah, at least be good. And uh, that's basically what the book is about, is how, how can you transform yourself into being a newbie uh, and going into into sales, so that that was a a, a nice first book that I <laughs> that I started reading to to self train in sales totally. Okay, so that's then you made the jump that way. So that's good, man. Yeah. So <clears throat> walk us through then, like, what's the secret to doubling every year? Like, how did, how did you do that? <clears throat> how did you make that a reality? Walk us through that, and, and if you have a framework, it'd be great. Like, what would you say is the single most important thing that led to that? Yeah, basically, um, on on one hand, um, you might uh, you know tie your product um, to some metric that allows you to grow within customers, right? So, and that's uh, that's important because if you if you work with with customers that are in a space that uh, grow and they have more traffic on the website, more calls, more folks in the call center, more something that essentially will bring additional revenue for you. So that's the first the first thing is how can I make a technology that is tied 
to the natural growth of, of companies. Now, not every company is going to grow that naturally, of course, but at least if you're able to um, kind of uh, sit in, in, on top of, of uh, these kind of uh, situations where uh, you, the subscription is, re- is, is related to success and, and volume, that allows you some, some uh, I would say, uh, capacity to, to grow just by continuing uh, serving your, your customers, right? The second thing is, of course, um, have a, a sales team that is, um, I would say, uh, not easy to find, but they, they have one foot in, in technology and understanding and have this consultative approach and another foot into being, you know, prospecting hunters and the capacity to create, uh, to create pipeline, right? So, so, so we spend a lot of time um, training sales and uh, making sure that um, they are in this, in, this, in this space. And then when it comes to, to marketing, well, you need to make sure that uh, you, what you put as content and what you tell and how you tell the story is, a, is, a, is, is, is educational. So you, you have content that really customers and potential customers, sometimes competitors, uh, can really avoid that, will we'll see as, as a reference. And that's, uh, I believe, the, the, the key to success, right, is, is making sure that uh, sales, marketing, and customer success work uh, really like a, like a, a clock to, 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 to drive targets of, of, of revenue. Yeah, I think. Well, how, how big is your sales, marketing, and success teams? Like, how, how yeah, are Yeah, we have around uh, 12 in, in account, as account executives and another 12 as customer success. Okay, good. And yeah. then do you have different, a big marketing? Different industries, right? Where the two of them are the two account executives in the U.S., um, two that cover U.K. and Germany. Um, in France, uh, we have uh, one, uh, Spain too. So, so we have account executives that work with uh, different different um, um, territories, Jeez. right? Yeah. yeah. The other interesting mm-hmm. thing that to work for, with for to kind of accelerate growth is when you hit the right partner and that's not easy to find because of course you will talk to a lot of uh, companies that might say hey we're gonna you want to resell your technology but finding the right ones that really su- succeed on a consistent basis is not is not easy for example we have our um um, NTT, right? NTT Docomo in Japan is one of our partners, and they are covering our technology in the in the in the region, and they are amazing. They built an entire uh, machinery to to use their their sales capillarity, and as you might Im- imagine, a Ryan NTT in Japan is is a is a big company, right? Oh yeah. Um, they have resources that we cannot um, afford to have, and even less in this in these areas, right? So this. This partnership, just by itself, is is basically um, we've been able to since we started, you know, uh, I'm growing on a three x, and um, just by by you know leveraging on this uh, kind of a partnership relationships, we've been able also to to find um, some some great areas of growth. 
Now, um, we have not found a way to, 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 to do it systematically, right? So we, we, uh, yet, uh, we are working on a, on a way to see how can we create this, this find and uh, train and make these partners successful. I can, I can tell you, right, there's been a lot of stories of misery as well, right? But when it works, it's, it's really amazing. It, it flies by, by itself, right? Well, so it's interesting you say that because, um, and I'll point you to uh, another guest. I don't know if you heard, did, did you hear the episode where I in, inter- interviewed Prabhjot Singh? Um, he's a CEO of Pies. Did you ever hear that podcast that I had at all or no? No, no, I haven't. I haven't so I'll send it over to you after the show. He, um, he, his entire go-to-market is product or partner-based. And so he walks through step-by-step his exact approach in terms of acquiring new partners and it really, it's really interesting because it mimics an enterprise sales process all the way huh. down to like he tests things out with them to see if they're a good fit and everything like that. But he said it's worked out really well, good for him in terms of acquiring some really large, consistent partners. So could be a value to that's, you. Or that's anybody. interesting. Yeah, that's an area that uh, I think we have uh, room for exploration and room for improvement. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. So basically, it's like you got related success built into the the customer success, right? Or volume yeah. expansion. So that's basically your NRR, right? So you got a good net recurring revenue engine or expansion, basically net dollar retention expansion, right? You got exactly. sales um, that's technical, but also consultative that could also prospect, right? So you got... Get some really strong salespeople. You got marketing, and then you got the partner aspect where you're leveraging that and having success, some success with very Correct. strategic partners. Okay, makes sense, man. That's a pretty darn that's good thing. That's exactly right. Of course, <laughs> also you have to have a product that is good, right? So, right, and, uh, and uh, you have to take into account uh, what we call the call the the user journey, right? And uh, since last year, we have the option to try for free our technology. So it's crucial that uh, when you have that, you have to imagine that uh, potential users will just log in, get into the platform, and whatever happens, um, that will determine if they are interested or not. So, so uh, that uh, you know, goes beyond marketing, beyond sales, is uh, how to make sure that your product fits into the user experience that will make you want to buy that's uh, that's uh, that's extremely complicated it enters into another total different realm but i believe we've, we've done a good job there at, at saying okay what 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 is the experience from let's say i'm the website of inventa all the way until i'm i'm trying the technology for the first time that is that is crucial right so how did you uncover that because like it's so interesting. I just I had a, another guest on and he was talking about like how you don't you can't make product market fit. You have to kind of discover it or uncover it, if you will, or get it revealed. Like, so how did you create that to the point where there's natural expansion in your product and customers love it? Yeah, that's essentially um, so one 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 important aspect is combining different fire. Right. So on one hand. You need to have this, uh, I believe, right? The try for free is important. However, when your product is complex, um, your try for free can become also complex. And sometimes 
if that user experience is not well designed, it can it can be counter even counterproductive, right? If you if you if you have a product that is been evolving to serve the big enterprise, almost as a as a natural consequence, your product gets complicated because it's just uh, just been designed to solve complicated situations. So that's a, that's a dilemma. How can we make a, a product that is easy to, to use for the first time and yet uh, is able to check the boxes when you get into the, the RFP process, right? Because these big corporations, they're going to issue an RFP and they will ask a long list of things. Every time you say uh, no to something, every, every box that you uncheck, well, some, someone else is going to, to jump in. Um, the other thing, Ryan, is that this space, right, the, the, the one that we are now, the artificial intelligence, and uh, you, you might know that, but, but has, been, has been through a lot, right, for the last five years. And uh, a lot meaning, on one hand, uh, a real, true um, technological revolution in terms of, of progress and the, the kind of things that are possible today that were not just five years ago, but almost simultaneously a big hype, meaning there's a lot of folks out there that overpromise over and over again in the space of AI. So to the point that sometimes um, some customers, right, in the big in the big enterprise, saying, "Yeah, we tried that, uh, didn't didn't work." Uh, so we we sometimes are are working with uh, with customers that uh, they had some. Once one experience, sometimes two experiences didn't work. So it's a it's a peculiar space where um, the AI is a is a is a you know a kind of kind of a world where it's not like a CRM or a database, right? They work or don't, right? AI is supposed to um, to emulate intelligence, and therefore it's it's hard to it's hard to measure. So and there are so so many. Um, you know, maybe the press, maybe analysts have uh, have uh, said you know a lot of things, a lot of overpromises. I was reading the other day uh, this uh, press release uh, from Elon Musk, uh, who said in two years uh, cars will uh, drive 100% autonomously, right? And that quote is from 2014. So. <laughs> It's 2022, and I can't see any car driving by itself out there, right? Maybe some, sometimes, but not not the, to the to the scale that uh, we were promised. So there's there's a, the artificial intelligence in general. It's been in some overpromising that uh, we have to handle as well during the sales process. Like, okay, we we will never overpromise. What we what we say we do, we tell you how we do it, and uh, we prove that it, that it works. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I've run into that before too. With it, like I'm, most of the time, no matter what type of of thing or solution you're selling, someone has some baggage based on something that hasn't worked before that they're comparing it to. No matter what, right? There's always some kind of baggage there. And so, like the the, the thing that we used to do that really helped unlock it is first of all understand, like isolate what that is. Like, so you're not fighting the ghost, but like, so what are you comparing this to? Like. What was their exact situation? Was it an AI company that was less than a million in revenue, right? Do they have these type of clients, right? Like just going down that path to making it like kind of black and white that you're different 
but yeah, there's definitely an art form to deal with that. So um, we're just about up on time. I wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions because this was awesome. Like I said, I can keep talking about this. I, I love this. So as we go through this, uh, a couple of quick questions I have for you. One, like, what's your favorite book? See a lot of books in the background, you know, like what, what's, <laughs> what's your favorite book that you've read over the past couple of years? Oh, uh, let me see. Um, well, that that book is uh, one that I read recently, and uh, it's it's ironic, right? So it's it's this one, right? Yeah, oh, it's not Steve a Pinker? it's not a business book. The better right? angels of our nature. Why violence the has declined? Okay, exactly. So it essentially says, hey, we um, we prove that exactly that what what you said. Violence has declined over time, right? Um, so there's there's a chart here. It shows the number of deaths uh, in in uh, among the aristocrats. Well, there are hundreds of these charts. So now that we are uh, sadly enough seeing uh, cases of violence, of course, there's Ukraine, uh, the shooting the other day. It's kind of hard to believe that in reality, if you look globally. The, the violence among uh, human beings has, has decreased. So that's a book that uh, I believe brought certain positivism uh, despite uh, the terrible things that, uh, that are happening. Because we concentrate on this, like, yeah. uh, oh, there's a war now. There was, a, there was no war forever, and now it's, it's kind of back. But uh, in reality, if you look at the big numbers, violence has, the book has convinced me that the violence has, uh, has effectively decreased dramatically. Well, it's interesting because like I had a um, a coach that I work with and, and she was telling me like literally it's natural with our body design, the way our brains design to focus on what's wrong. Then it's like, I don't know, it's just with like blood flow and the amygdala and like the way your mind's constructed, you're naturally trying not to die. So you focus on the most negative thing and what's wrong first. So um Versus what's positive and what's right. So, and that's what the news preys on, I think. Um, So it's good that you brought that up. good news. That's uh, essentially (laughs) the book about. (laughs) So um, who's your favorite like CEO or founder that, that you look up to or you think is doing an amazing job right now? Yeah. uh, It's not like I'm following big, big guys. Right. But um, I'm, you know, some entrepreneur from uh, Barcelona that, uh, that I moved here. The, to the, the San Francisco Bay Area, right? Um, I'm, you know, I, I follow the CEO of, uh, of uh, Zoom, of Zendesk, uh, companies like UserZoom that uh, kind of uh, I, I know personally, right? And they say, hey, you know, I've been talking to them. I've seen, I've seen how they grew their, their businesses and they are, they are they're amazing. They're humble, smart. They, they don't drive around with uh, fancy cars they're just on, on business um, and uh, yeah some some of these folks uh, are are superstars for me that's awesome yeah you gotta love the humble nature um, and last but not least like where do you see the future of tech going well I believe that um, technology is is driving human progress right so if you if you look at um, now like the some of the biggest problems right besides wars and all that but of course 
but uh, if you look at climate change, right, it's like, okay, that's a terrible thing. Um, we are changing the planet so quickly, but we are doing it because of our technology, right? <laughs> we created technology, we need energy. At this point, we don't know where to get this energy and the, the cheapest, easiest way to do it is through uh, fossil fuels, right? Um, I don't think we are gonna be able to significantly change that by just just behaving different. We need technology for that and engineering and uh, and the creativity to to say, okay, how can we how can we use solar energy in a way that is more way more effective than we have today? Uh, maybe maybe uh, fusion reaction. Maybe you know wind energy. That's that's an example, right? But the second thing, and back to artificial intelligence, is if you look at the status of AI now and uh, the journey to go ahead, the there's the the distance is so is so is so vast, right? So so if you look at the robots and the AI, is a joke compared to where humans are, right? So there's the, the space for growth there is is amazing. Some some uh, authors said that there is a risk for AI to get too smart and too soon. Uh, I can I can tell you I can't wait. That's not it's gonna still 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 uh, needs to happen. It will happen, but um, it's gonna take it's gonna take some some time and, and energy. In the meanwhile. Um, yeah, we build we build things that uh, pr- produce a return on investment, and uh, we see progress. But uh, I believe uh, technologies in space like uh, energy production, let's say call it clean energy production, um, highly advanced computing, also known as artificial intelligence, that is what I believe we're going to see more, more, and more happening. Yeah. No, that I mean that makes sense, and it's really interesting to have your perspective on it since you're so deep in the AI and NLP area. Um, and I, I'm a big believer too, man. Like I've read some articles, and I mean we got a massive carbon emissions issue that we have to deal with as a as a world. Because I mean, and and who knows? I mean, I've seen stuff that's saying like if we don't change within ten years, there could be like global destruction right. based on. But the thing is, we've done that before. And uh, I don't know if you remember the whole thing about the ozone layer. Ozone layer? Ozone layer, yeah. yeah. Ozone layer. Um, Have you heard about that lately? Not lately, no. No. Why? Well, they found what was causing it. They uh, forbid using these kind of chemicals and... uh, Problem solved, and now the this hole is getting getting smaller, and the whole thing is is being is being recovered. So, yeah, that's kind of uh, the way it works. Or um, now we all we all uh, use gasoline uh, without lead, right? Right. Yeah. But uh, before we we had lead into into gas, and that was really bad, 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 bad. <laughs> Why did we add lead? Well, it was easy combustion, and uh, you know it was easier. Um, it's just uh, lead is so uh, is such a poisoning um, component that uh, you know. Actually, some people say that the violence in the eighties increased because of lead poisoning. 
But anyways, <laughs> we solved we solved that problem. So hey, we can solve the the climate change problem, and we will. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure about that. It's just that it's just cheaper and kind of lazier to use what <laughs> we've been using, right? But I'm absolutely sure that uh, as as a species, we'll find a way to produce uh, more and better energy. Excellent. Well, we're up on time. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you and Inventa? Yeah, so look at that, Inventa. So Inventa.com is the website. You will find me there. Uh, You will uh, find Jordi Torres in LinkedIn. Um, You can connect directly with me. Uh, Except everybody in my network that uh, has a name and some sort of picture. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll be be hard glad to, to... to um, answer any question, jtorres at inventa.com. That's my email as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jordi. It was a pleasure having you on the show. I love your perspective. You did an awesome job. Do you one thing? Now, now, now that you say, hey, how can you contact me? Let, can I do an experiment? So, Go for it, man. So that's, that's my business card, right? Okay. Right? There you go. So this, and I'm going to show that, if you point right now your cameras into this QR code. Go move it over to your left a little bit. Yeah, maybe here. Yes. There you go. All right. So (laughs) point your camera right now to this QR code, and my contact details will be right on your phone. So here we go. Well, if, if you're listening on the podcast, you're not going to be able to point your phone at it. But if you see the YouTube video of this, you will. So that's right. Anyways. All right. Good stuff, Jordy. Thanks for being on, man. Absolutely. Thank you all so right. much, everyone. Right. We'll see you in the next episode. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.